Today's intention is to help anyone listening break through a creative block that they are having so that they can move forward. Hey, it's Bobby. Welcome to Student of Intention, where we help you enjoy the pursuit of purpose. Remember, don't wait, start small, learn as you go. Hello, friends. Welcome to Student of Intention. I'm your host, Bobby Dysart. I'm excited to welcome an old friend to today's show, Monica Birdsong. Monica is the CEO and founder of Birdsong Company. She's an entrepreneur. She's a engineer. She's a tinkerer, a marketer. She's, I think, I think you're just pretty much everything, um, Monica. So I'm, I'm really excited to have you on the show. She's definitely uber talented and a person from my past that has resurfaced in my future and or in my present, I should say. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But uh, first things first, Monica, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So um, I mentioned in that intro, you are a person from my past. Um, we started working together in the same, I guess, for lack of a better word, incubator. Is that what we would call it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That big <laughs> white building. <laughs> like the big white building in West L.A. Um, over 10 years ago, I would think, um, mm -hmm. or close to it. And Monica was one of those first, those people that just as soon as I met her, I was like, oh, there's, there's a sparkle about this woman. There's something special. And um, I just hope some of it sort of rubs off on me every time I pass by you and had conversations with you. And then um, that business that I was involved in working with her uh, or working beside her uh, folded, as startups often do. And we sort of lost touch, but we've mm -hmm. circled back um, by way of first Clubhouse and then now all the work we're doing here with student of intention. Yes. Yeah. It's <laughs> been, it's been a while. My, that startup that I was working next to you, we actually, we got bought, but I wouldn't call it like, you know, like this huge, <laughs> like exit, but I did gracefully exit. So that was, that was fun. You didn't, you didn't buy a Lamborghini? I mean, Lambos aren't my style, but <laughs> I would not have had enough money to buy if I did. <laughs> Cool, cool. Well, either way, we've we've sort of reconnected over the last <clears throat> I don't know three or four months, and and I'm just so excited to um, continue to work with you and now have you on the show. Um, so we'll, we'll get to more of your past as well. But um, a today we're talking about the creativity bucket, and you're a person who is uh, among all the things that I already mentioned. You're cer certainly creative, um, and you tackle a lot of creative work. Um, Bring me, bring me up to speed on what you're doing today um, at Birdsong Company or, or, or anything else. Because, again, I know, you're, I know you do a lot of things, so who, who knows what you're into? <laughs> well, right now I'm actually working on bringing a new product and course offering to life that mashes up a lot of my favorite things. What, what are some of those favorite things? Mm, I love the Zelda gaming series, like the Nintendo Zelda gaming series. I've been playing it since I was a kid. And uh, little known fact, I actually like walked down the aisle to the fairy fountain music to my husband. No, you yeah, really I love surprised it. him. That um, is awesome. 
Yeah, it was like, so speaking of creativity, that was like one of the creative touches that we added to our wedding to make it personalized, right? And uh, a few people in the in the audience, in the audience, that's a weird thing to say about your wedding, but in the audience got it. And um, so mashing that up and just like the gaming aspects, like I really love the latest Breath of the Wild game where it's like a choose your own adventure and you definitely have a path, but there's also like all these side quests and that's what I feel like business is. It's like there is a main path, but there's all these side quests. So I'm going to ramp all that together into a course and offering where there's some coaching. There's some uh, some stuff, you know, so definitely like a path, but also like, hey, if you don't have your business like legally set up, like here's your side quest to do that so that people, mm. you know, know the main path, but then also realize that there's a lot of other little things that go into it. So. That sounds exciting. So you said you're still playing Zelda. I mean, forgive me. I, I, I'm a huge fan of Zelda, particularly growing up. Um, I think, I don't know if I could choose a favorite. Do, can you choose a favorite? I really love the Minish Cap and Breath of the Wild. <laughs> oh, my gosh. See, when I say favorite, like I'm thinking about the original, um, you know, Nintendo, uh, like, <laughs> NES system versus the N64 version. And I can't really think of any any of the other ones, but it sounds like you just have a whole plethora of Zelda. And it's still so so it's still being made today. There's still there's still yes. more Zeldas. Yes. And if you have <laughs> if you haven't played Breath of the Wild, then you need to because it's really it's amazing. It's a really, really cool, fun, um, fun game. And you know, that's I, the only reason I buy Nintendo's is to play Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, great, great. So, and you just started this project, this course project, combined with Zelda recently. Yesterday. Yesterday. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, what about the rest of your work? What else do you do? Oh, I, I, you know, I bring courses to life. I help other people bring their projects and their things to life. Um, I help business owners systemize. I have a really strong belief that we should have a business that serves us and the customers, but it needs to do both. So if you're working really hard, then I don't like that for you. And I want to systemize and help you do that. So that's for like, you know, higher, higher ticket, higher paying customers. And then for, for everyone who's sort of getting started, I like to do course because then that way it's like a DIY option and you can you can pretty much get the same results if you work, but you don't get my like brilliant expertise on your individual thing. So that's how it works in the world of helping people create online courses and online businesses and all that good stuff. Right. You have your, uh, your clients that you sort of engage with on a one-to-one level on a weekly or, or monthly basis. And then you have the folks that you, create these online <clears throat> online systems for so that they can sort of self-educate and go at their own pace. Exactly. Great. Great. And we're working together. We're working together on, uh, on building out the student intention community. Um, and it's been great so far working with you. Now talk to me about, so, so obviously creativity comes up a lot. Um, I imagine in, in your work with other folks um, as well as the, your work designing new courses or um, new ways of integrating with video game systems. Um, <laughs> uh, t- tell me more about like, I guess, 
I guess two things. One, how creativity does show up in your world and be like, how do you kind of keep that skill honed? Um, if, if you, if you do need to keep it, keep it honed. So I think that it shows up when things mash together. Um, or like if, you know, for me, it shows up when I'm not doing what I'm trying to be creative on. Uh, like if I'm like out with my kids, the creativity happens. And like the idea for this course, the specific idea, I've been mulling this like, okay, I need to create a program. It needs to be for these kind of people. Like what will be cool, right? Like what would make it cool? And that's where actually, so another geeky thing about me is that I host Dungeons and Dragons every month in my house. Like people come over and like we have a little party. And so what I realized is that like, I mean, I'm a nerd, right? Like I was a software developer turned marketer. Like I just like geek out over systems and geek out over just, just things, right? Like I'm a geek. I'm like, well, well, let's build it for the geeky girls. And I've had this idea of like having people understand the game they're playing and the levels that they're on because one of the cool things about games is that like you sort of know where you're at right and that doesn't really happen once you graduate from college like you kind of do mm. if you're climbing the corporate ladder but like like in the game of life like I don't did you play that when you were little like you know like the little car that drove around you know what I'm talking about I, I do I didn't play it enough to really recollect exactly how the game was played but that was really interesting you said that with games you sort of know where you're at um, and I guess you're reasoning that with life, you don't, I mean, I don't think that you do. Right. I mean, you, you kind of do, but then I feel like you get old enough and this is sort of where I went through a few years ago, you get old enough where you're like, well, that was all what society told me to do, but like, what do I really want to do? Right. Mm -hmm. Cause I am a classic, you know, good girl where I went to college and got the job and got the good job and worked my way up the corporate ladder. And then was like, this is what I worked so hard for. This is awful. Um, Oof. <laughs> right I, I i feel you i feel you i mean i think just that description i was the good girl i went and got uh you know the degree went and got the good job and then this feeling of like this is it like that just you, you just hit me deep because i think i was that you, that was just a description for myself in so many ways um and, well the and then so then you're left you're like well well there's no there's no path for me anymore Right. That's the path that every like at least everyone I know has been told since they were, you know, eight. Right. That's your yeah. path. And then you're on it and you're like, well, crap, this path sucks. <laughs> right. And so then you've got to find a path. And so then you go like, well, what I did was I went. I mean, I don't know if you know, but past that, I was like, well, let me try startups and let me try this and let me try that. And like and so I know we're talking about creativity, but like that involves a lot of creativity to kind of reinvent yourself to figure it out. And then, and then it's like, okay, well, what I basically figured out through all this trial and error is that like, there, there is no path that somebody has carved out necessarily in front of me that is great and perfect for me because my mm -hmm. life and my requirements of what I want are individual to me. And there's some people that are similar and I can take parts from different people, but my work is to figure out my own path, define what I think is success and then make it happen. Um, and there's a lot of creativity involved in that. And sometimes a little too much because sometimes like I'm, you know, I'm very creative. So I think sometimes too big and I'm like, oh, I have to bring that down to like something very specific and tangible. So. No, I'm 100 percent right. And 
I, I actually do. I want to kind of go back in time. Um, I, I know from afar what you've sort of transitioned through, right? When I met you, you were basically the co-founding CTO of a small you know, tech company. I believe it was for seniors. Yes. And uh, I think it was like a it's like a tender for seniors, if I'm uh, that's what it came, that's what it morphed into. It started out as like a Facebook for senior communities. There you go. There yeah. you go. Um, but yeah, and now uh, again, I've kind of I've kind of I wouldn't say I kept tabs on you, but our digital lives have sort of these footprints that we can follow. And I've followed you on Instagram for a long time. I obviously stumble across you on LinkedIn from you know now and again, and I saw okay, well, now she's a marketer. So <laughs> I know, I know that you're helping people with, you know, with their, uh, with their businesses and with their uh, email campaigns, their communication strategies, et cetera. Um, but I haven't gotten a real story and certainly creativity plays a part. I imagine intention plays a part as well. So um, I would love to hear a little bit more uh, about that transition, particularly let's pick it up from, from what you said, you sort of found yourself like, this is it. This is what we're talking about. Tell me more about that. Yeah. The the real moment it hit me is I was on a flight back from Munich, Germany to Los Angeles where I was working because I had gone to Oktoberfest and I only had like two days of vacation time. So I it was this crazy whirlwind trip where this was not really my brightest moment in life, but like I was actually like meeting this friend from high school that like he had booked the hotels. And then like when I went to get on the plane, my flight was delayed, but I had no way of contacting him. This is before cell phones. So like, I'm literally like at LAX with like no way to meet up with this guy in Munich. And then it hits me that I'm like, oh, does he think this is something that it's not? Like, holy crap, what am I getting myself into? And I was like, oh, well, here we are. We're doing it anyway. Um, And so <laughs> it was like this big, crazy weekend of like all these unknowns. And by the way, the trip, was fantastic. And it turned out really, really well. And I met all these people in Los Angeles that were like, my friends are like, you can stay with us if you, um, if you can't find this guy that you're supposed to go hang out with. Um, and so it, it turned out this crazy trip. It was so much fun. And on the way home, I was like, man, that was amazing. Like, that was so awesome. Like on so many levels, like I pushed myself out of my comfort zone by like finding friends and like going to meet this friend that I hadn't seen since high school, which, I mean, this was like, you know, a decade, over a decade later. And, you know, just a lot of like things that I love to do, like push myself out of comfort zone, push, push the boundaries, go on these crazy adventures. Um, I've dialed it back a little now that I'm a mom, but I think those were the things I loved. And like on the way home, I'm like, oh, I have to like go back to my job and to this environment where they get to control all my time. And I just, it just really hit me on that flight. And I was like, okay, well, it's got to change. So I actually left corporate America and uh, right after I vested in that company and then took my money. I had saved up like six months worth of savings. And I moved back to my little town of Missouri where I grew up. And I started a company with my best friend and this other guy that I kind of knew because it's a small town. So we kind of knew everybody. I moved in with my aunt so that I had low costs, right? Like I did all the things. And what I figured out is that I know nothing about business. Like mm. <laughs> I, could, I could build software all day long, but I knew nothing about business. And so uh, that didn't go very well. That company did not go very well, did not go very far. And thank God my best friend and I survived. This other guy, I don't know what's up with him. Don't care. Um, but like, but my best friend and I, like, we're still best friends. And so uh, she actually is, uh, she's, she's got an amazing company now. We both are on, like, this same path. And through that, I just figured out, like, oh, well, well, what am I missing, right? And what I was missing is marketing and sales. 
And so I had to figure that out. And that took me a while because it's a very, very different way of thinking than software development. Because software development is very, there's, there is creativity in it. Don't get me wrong, but it's creativity within boundaries. And like, and it's not very like human creative, right? It's like systems creative, right? Whereas marketing and sales, like you got to connect with humans and understand psychology and like these things that I just, my computer brain did not really get (laughs) until I Mm. figured out that like, really, it's just like making friends. So that's, that was sort of the key thing for me. And then I, and then now I'm a marketer. (laughs) So I think maybe I skipped too much. I don't know. It's a long story. 13 years. Right. Right. So you you definitely skipped a lot. So, um, you, you, you left that corporate job, you moved back home and then Mm -hmm. you, uh, had that had that sort of first startup and that's where you realize like hey I, I know how to build software but I don't know anything about business um, yeah. and then I imagine then you started to figure out not only is sort of the nuance of business because I'm sure you knew some parts of business business is so bad so vast yeah. so big you just found out you didn't know um, particularly sales and marketing but you had a, a few other stops along the way and you did move back to Los Angeles right I did. So when I was living in Missouri, I mean, nobody like in a small town of Missouri, nobody's hiring a software developer. Um, and what, what I really did that I was really, really good at is actually requirements analysis, which is like a part of software development where you talk between the business people who want things and the software developers who are building the things. And so communication really is what I'm good at. I just didn't know how to apply that to marketing and sales. And so I moved back to Los Angeles um, and got involved in the startup world because, I, and again, I was a CTO. I was building the tech because I still wanted to have my own business. Um, but I actually went back to work and I worked at Disney as a contractor during the day. And then I would like work on my business at night, right? Mm. Because I needed to pay the bills. <laughs> so right. I couldn't do that in Southeast Missouri. Like my skill set wasn't hireable there. And you know, it's a very valuable skill set to the right person, but not in the environment I was in. So I moved back. Yeah. So I changed my environment a lot as well along the way because I needed to be where the things were happening and could be easiest for me to succeed in that path that I was trying to figure out. So, and that's where we met. Um, yeah, that's where for we sure. Met. And I mean, like, it's so funny when you kind of talk about it, you sort of, I, I think you sort of underestimate like what you just did there and just what you said, like moving back and forth that much, changing jobs that much. Like I think to, you know, my wife, she, I I consider one of the most bullish human beings in the world. And she's been at the same company for seven years. Uh, You know, there's, there's people that hear that much change. And I think sort of cringe or at least are like, how the heck did she do that? Um, what was that like? What, what what was sort of driving you, right? Like what was sort of, how did you figure out all these, these moves to make? Well, so I first moved to Los Angeles because I went on a vacation um, and we drove from San Francisco to San Diego with one of my college friends. And when we hit Los Angeles, I just felt like I needed to live there. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know. I was just like, I need to live here. And I think I was 20, I was either 22 or 23 at the time. And so I grew up in a small town, right, where I didn't get to see that much, right? Like, we would mm-hmm. vacation, like, we would go on car vacations, right? Like, I didn't get on an airplane until I was a senior in high school. And um, 
And then I, when I graduated college, like, so in college, I made this choice of like, okay, well, what do I want to do? I'm like, I have no idea, but I love to travel and I want to make money because not that we didn't have money growing up, but we didn't have a ton of money. Right. And so I was like, these are the two things I want. I want to see the world and I want money. And so I, that's, and I was like, oh, I'm really good at computers. So I'd be, I graduated with computer information degree in 1999, which was like the height of the first like dot-com bubble. So I got seven job offers out of school um, mm. because also I'm a female who can speak. So I didn't realize how powerful <laughs> that was at the time. Right. But like in all these interviews, it's like, Oh wait, she's a girl who can code and can communicate. Like we need her. Um, I didn't, I didn't get that then. Right. I was just like this like 21 year old kid who was like, yeah, hey, like let's have fun. Right. Um, and actually I had worked for Disney this, this summer in college too. And so that on my resume plus coding, it was just like, like I was like this unicorn, but I didn't understand that. And yeah, so, no. and so I, I took a job with Ernst and Young. And so I don't know if you know anything about like these, you know, big accounting consulting firms, but they put you on an airplane every week. Hmm. And so I had gotten used to be on an airplane every week. Right. And so this idea of like picking up and moving was a little bit scary. Um, I didn't know anybody when I moved to Los Angeles, not, I didn't know anybody, like literally anybody. I just picked up and moved and I moved with Ernst and Young. So like I just transitioned offices um, and that's how I took care of like the money part. And the office there was actually pretty awful. <laughs> I really kind of hated it. And then I, I, I got my apartment sight unseen. I never saw it. I used this, I used pictures from the internet and I just like moved to Santa Monica because my name is Monica and I figured Santa Monica would be a safe place. Like literally this <laughs> Um, and so I don't like, I don't have a, like the only thing driving me really was like, I knew I couldn't stay where I was. Like, I just, I just knew that like where I was, was not going to be what got me there. And then I would say the next big change again, like I needed money. Like when I was in Missouri, like I was like, I have to make money. And I, cause I had run out of money. I was in credit card debt. I like couldn't pay my credit cards. And my friend from high that the, the changing moment there was like my friend from high school who was now working for the sheriff's department, like knocked on my door and I was like in my sweatpants and having showered for days because, you know, I was in a real healthy spot. And uh, and she literally like served me papers that like I was getting sued by the credit card company. So that was pretty oh, embarrassing. No. So I was like, OK, screw this. Like I have a huge talent set. Like get, get off your butt, get in the shower and go to Los Angeles. So I think I went like the next week I flew out there. Uh, had a job within two days. Again, getting jobs for me is relatively easy. So, um, you just, just need a shower. I did. I showered first. Yeah. <laughs> I, I sh and then I drove the two and a half hours up to where I could take a flight to Los Angeles. Cause I didn't even live like this town in Missouri mm -hmm. is not near an airport. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I did take a shower. Um, <laughs> and then I got a job, the job at Disney and that's what started paying my bills. I paid everything off, paid everything back. Um, and then, but that was really like the, the, like that point I was like, okay, something's got to give. And then, um, so that's what moved me back to Los Angeles. Um, and that's when I did the startup thing. And then I left Disney. I started working with my, he was, a, we were joint venturing. I built software. He would sell it. And he just kept handing me checks. And I was like, what are you doing? And then finally he's like, you just need to be my business partner. And so I did that. And we were partners for five years. And then he bought me out of the business and then I went out on my own. So mm. that's, I don't know. I've never been scared of like that kind of change. Like that stuff is pretty easy to me, like moving, like you just pack and go like, right. What scares me more is like, 
being more public and putting myself out there and making sure that I'm like, you know, my marketing skills are good enough to share and things like that. That's actually more of what holds me back now that I have to battle, but like physically changing location, like that I moved to Nashville. Now I live in Nashville because Los Angeles was too far away from my family. Um, and I wanted to have family, like my own family. So, and by the way, I'm Monica Snyder. Now you call me Monica Birdsong in the beginning. I got married on you. Oh, my bad. My bad. <laughs> so that was, that's a really long story, but like, I don't know. Hopefully it's helpful to somebody. I should know that too. Cause Birdsong Co is sure. And I, I love the name Birdsong too. That's such a, such Thanks, a, I do too. <laughs> such a good name um, yeah. for both the business and for your last name. So um, cool. Cool. So yeah, that's, that's quite the journey. Now, you said something interesting about this stuff kind of being easy, um, at least from moving location to location. And then you talked about, I think you talked about what I heard was sort of confidence and making sure you're basically the gifts of marketing and sales are as, as good as, as valuable as you need them to be. Right. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, so with software development, I've actually been coding since I was eight. So I don't, I never had a confidence issue with that. I just always knew I was good at it. And, and, you know, my confidence issue with that came from, I, I'm not a geeky, nerdy, super developer that's going to like code the next Python software development language, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm the one who's going to build a software that solves a business problem and makes money. And I've, I've always known that distinction. So it's like in the world of, in the world of anything, there's like different little classifications. Right. And so when I moved over into marketing, like marketing is huge. Right. Yes. And so, <laughs> right. And so it's like, I like, I can't, I'm not like a, like I would be useless in the world of like Coca-Cola brand marketing. Right. Like I don't even necessarily know how to do that. Like, could I figure it out? Sure. But like, you want systems that are like marketing plus sales, like that is my sweet spot, right? And so, and so it's just taken me a little while to figure that out. And then also like, who is it best for? Because I haven't been doing it super, super long. Um, so not like I had with software development, right? And, and so, yeah, and it just, anytime I think you learn something new, like you question your abilities in it for a little while and then, yeah. Of course. I mean, I question my abilities, I think, in anything I do all the time, um, you know, and, and I think that's that's unfortunately or fortunately, I really can't decide is, is that a plus or a minus because um, I, I see it as a plus because it drives me. It drives me in a lot of ways. Right. I've always told anyone who's asked and, and people who haven't asked that I get driven by fear a lot. Um, I think it's always been, you know, back to my my athletic endeavors in like high school. I remember I was always that person that was like convinced I was going to lose no matter I could be, I was a wrestler and I could be like ranked number one, like wholeheartedly in the tournament. And I'd come up against the like last ranked guy and in my head somewhere I'd be like, Oh man, what if I lose this? I'm, 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 you know, and I would go in there sort of like timid and rigid, but would soon be overtaken by like this, just this like tenacity of, there's no freaking way I'm losing this. I can't lose this versus some people I run into. And I feel like they're just like, they just always are expecting they're going to win. And they're like, they're, they're driven by that fact. They're driven that they're like, 
I have to be the best no matter what. I have to be the best. Um, so I think that fear thing is really interesting because, um, again, it's, it's, it's been a driver for me. What, what about you? Is it like, is that what keeps you sort of honing those skills? And, and what does honing those skills look like um, when it comes to this foreign concept of sales and marketing? Yeah. So I actually want to go back to just a little bit of something that you said, like the people who are like, oh, I'm driven to win. They're also driven by fear. They just haven't done the work to figure that out yet. Like, (laughs) (laughs) right. So like (laughs) a lot of what I do and why I am able to do all this stuff is I do a crap ton of personal development. Um, I can't like the mentality that I grew up with is not the mentality I possess now. And I thank God for that all the time because it is a vast ocean between the two. And when I talk to people from my hometown and like they haven't left and they haven't done things like I can see what I used to think and, and how differently I think now. And I try, you know, little snippets of like bringing that on. But what you just said was actually like, I'm like, oh, people who are like, oh, I'm driven to win. Well, you're driven to win because you're terrified of something. You just haven't admitted that to yourself. Um, And I I remember saying this back when I was a software developer with my boss. I was like, you know, people are motivated by fear more than anything else. It's like the number one motivation across, you know, whatever. And, And like, I knew that instinctively then, but like now with sales and marketing, one of the things that I teach is like, well, what's their fear of their fear? Right. So like if the fear that they that like I was actually talking to somebody, a client about this and I was, she was like, well, you know, they fear getting old. I'm like, what do they fear about getting old? Well, that they won't be able to play with their grandchildren. Well, what is their fear there really? Well, if they don't play with their grandchildren, then they're going to be forgotten. Right. Mm-hmm. Just like like their real fear is that they're going to die and have no legacy and have nobody remember them. Right. And that they, they didn't make an impact. Right. That's the real fear behind, you know, them wanting to have like energy to play with their grandchildren. Right. And so you've done the work to recognize that it was fear. Right. These other people haven't. So just if you're talking to somebody, recognize that. Um, (laughs) Are you sure you're telling me there's not just these people walking around that are a little bit wired differently? I'm not saying there's not. I'm just saying that from what I normally know, like it's it's like a very small, small percentage. Um, and if they are wired differently, they have usually done a crap ton of work to be wired differently. All right. All right. And you just said, so, so you said there's this ocean of difference between what you were um, at one time and what you are now, at least from a mindset, from personal growth perspective. What do you mean by that? I mean that I used to believe things that are really not true. And I'll give you an example. So um, my parents divorced when I was 11 and my dad cheated on my mom. And so I thought that that was normal, right? I just thought, you know, and and there was a lot of divorce in my world. Um, Not very many like good, healthy relationships to model. And so I just thought like, oh, okay, well, you know, people cheat on you and you either like stay in this bad relationship or you get divorced and then you have to figure all this stuff out, right? Because then I had to see my mom like go through trying to figure out how to be a single mom, right? And so, I mean, you know, 11 is like, is a pretty good age to like, remember what all that is. And so these were the thoughts that I had. And then when I got to college, right, so now I'm like, you know, 19, 20, I'm seeing some other things, seeing some other people's parents, right? Because I'll go to their house for the weekend or whatever. And like, like, oh, like, they don't fight all the time. Huh. That's weird. Right? Like, that was weird to me. 
Right. And so the fact that like, like, that's what I mean. And like, now I'm in a super great marriage. Right. But it took me till I was 36 to find the man and like, get through all that work of like, Oh wait, this is what a relationship should be like. And like, and like, I would, you know, in my high school relationship with that, that boyfriend, like, I mean, like if I look back at it now and be really honest with you, like I was sometimes abusive, like me personally was like to him, like, and it's kind of hard to admit, but like, I can admit that now because I'm like, oh, I don't do that anymore because I know it's wrong. I didn't know any better then. Like, that's just how I thought things were. And so like that, that's just an example of like the work that I've done, particularly around relationships, because I started seeing something that I was like, oh, wait, there's something to that. And then digging in and then like I have done like I've read books, I've attended workshops. I like so much stuff on like how to be in a better be a better human to be in a better relationship. If that makes sense. So that that's just one example. It's like, okay, well, and so now I don't think that, right? Like now I do not have any expectation that my husband would cheat on me or that that's okay. Or, you know, and if he does, then like I would take partial responsibility for that probably because I don't think that happens in a vacuum. Like it happens if, if a relationship breaks down. Um, and I'm, you know, so that's, very different than how I used to think. And that, and it's true about a lot of things, right? Like I used to think that like time is money. I no longer think that I used to think that a job meant you had security. Now I think exactly the opposite. So, I mean, I can mm. dive deeper into any of those, but. Oh, you just threw up a bunch of holes that I want to dig into. I mean, time isn't money. Um, work's not security. I mean, these are things I think I agree with wholeheartedly, but yeah, let's, let's expand on those. Um, I guess take, take the time as a money um, piece first. Yeah. So time is like infinitely more valuable than money Um, because money is, is replaceable and honestly pretty easily replaceable once you figure out how value works, right. And like how to exchange money for value. And Bobby, I think you probably could talk about this better than me, right? Because, you know, you know, sales. And I think you were telling me the story of like, you know, when you go into these companies, you talk to them about how like they're not selling software, they're selling a transformation. Um, It's the same thing in online courses, like you're selling some sort of transformation. And once, once you understand that, right, then you're like, oh, well, money is pretty easy to generate. Um, And so, well, and then that thought alone, like you may be listening, somebody else may be listening to be like, oh my gosh, money is not easy to generate. Like I have to go like work my butt off for it. Right. And, um, and so, but once you figure that out, well, then you realize that like a job limits that, right. Right. And that a job is controlled by somebody else who can take that job away at any point of time. Right. Whereas if you know how to go out and create value on your own for a customer, you can do that. You are in control of that. Right. So that that's the big difference there. And um, yeah, I like internalizing that I, I was I was actually at my aunt's house and she was telling her daughter um, to like, you know, oh, that's a really good job. You're gonna make twenty five dollars an hour. And I just remember thinking like. Like, oh, you're telling her all the wrong things, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, but like, you know, my aunt is my aunt is amazing. Like all my family is, is amazing. And like, they are doing, they are doing the best that they know to do for their people. Right. Like they haven't gone on this journey. Um, which is why I think it's so important that when people do that, they stand up and say like, Hey, there's another path. And, and that's what I'm starting to really get loud about because 
I have two cousins that are grand, graduating from university. One, they're actually, they're both walking this month because of COVID last year. One of them already graduated, already graduated. And I literally said to them, I was like, hey, anybody let you know that like you don't have to get a job? You could actually just figure out how to work for yourself. Nobody right. has said this to them. Right. So anyway, and, I think and when you, if you start saying it too, like um, you might be overstepping your bounds a little bit, or at least feel that sometimes. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I feel that way. I, I can't remember who I was talking to about this. Um, I sort of, oh yeah, I, 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 it was my neighbors, my newer neighbors, and they're. Um, it was just the first time I'd interfaced with two um, young high school girls in, in maybe forever. I, I don't even remember the last time. And we're just on the patio. There's probably 30 of us over there for a barbecue. And this, you know, this this girl, she's in her senior year, super smart, super, like, polished. Like, I was like, she, she, she just, just her conversation skills alone. I was like, this girl's going some places. And so I just felt the opportunity to ask. I'm like, you know, is just... Going to college, like the same sort of like expectation that it was in my day. In my day, like everybody was going to college, like you're 100% going to school. You're going to go to a big university, right? Go, you know, get your degree, have your college life. And she's like, yeah, pretty much. You know, she, she's, she's talking about trying to figure out how to finance it and trying to figure out where to get in. And I'm just like, you know, part of me wanted to say, hey, there's like, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of ways you can go there. You know, I wish I would have started what I've been doing um, here with student intention and entrepreneurship, you know, at, at your time. And again, she's during your age and you're certainly really capable. Um, but I felt like I was stepping on toes. I'm like, this isn't, this isn't my daughter. I don't even know her mom that well. Like I, I don't want to be this guy who's just telling her like, Hey, maybe consider your options. <laughs> it was kind of scary. It is um, scary. Well, because you're, you're going against like <laughs> cultural norm, mm -hmm. right? And and there's definitely pushback, definitely pushback on that for sure. Yeah, and well, and it's it's it it I think it can't be taken out of context. Like you can't go two two things. One, it's not easy to go be an entrepreneur to go figure out how to work for yourself, go how to figure out how to make money in a creative, interesting way. Um, I think it's doable. And then once you do it, right, it's like one of those things that's like, oh, that wasn't that challenging. Right. Um, but 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 getting there takes a certain level of focus and a certain level of risk. And then B, you do have to do the work on yourself. Right. You have to hone the different aspects of yourself. I, I write about this in the book a, 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 a bit. Right. Like there's a reason I, I, I break it down to five buckets, relationships, creativity, health learning and work, you know, these, these all sort of intertwine to make us ourselves more valuable to the world around us, more easily able to create that value and make money less of an issue than it is otherwise. Um, so I know like with me, I, I do all kinds of things right now to, to keep that, that pump prime, so to speak. Right. Like, um, I would argue that like me running on the beach is just important as me, uh, you know, reading a book on entrepreneurship, which is just important is me journaling every day um, and so on and so forth. Um, would you agree? And what are some of those things that I guess that you do to keep yourself? Because you, you obviously did something, right? You took a lot of little steps to change that perspective, to, to cross that ocean of difference. Um, but I imagine you keep doing those things as well. Yeah, I do. Um 
I think mostly I just notice when I'm unhappy with something and then try to look to see who solved at least a portion of that problem before and, and, and follow what they did until it doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, I read really quickly. I read a lot, um, a lot. I, I try, I play with my kids outside. That's my version of running on the beach. Now it used to be hiking. I used to hike a lot. Uh, when I lived in Los Angeles, I lived really near Griffith Park. Um, and I, I'm actually working to get back to that because I think that that is a piece that's missing right now from what, from what it is that I need. Well, and talk, also- talk about that too. Like, I'm glad you brought up your children and your family because that's another thing. Like, I'm, um, you know, uh, as I'm going through this, I have friends and family that have their own families. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely met with resistance of like, I don't have time to maybe invest in myself. I don't have time to expand my horizon. I don't have time to sort of live intentionally, literally. Like, like they're just like, I, I, I can't live with intention. I can't, I'm not in control of my day-to-day actions and the things that I, the way that I get to enjoy life. Um, and a lot of the blame goes to the family basically without, without totally saying it. Um, and so I think you're, um, among many reasons, inspirational, but that's certainly one of them. So let's talk about that the family dynamic and you being you. <laughs> uh, well, thanks. But so the, so I will say becoming a mom through a wrench into a lot of things, like, it's like, you have to reconfigure your whole life at that point. And the, you're never, or at least I was not prepared for it. Even, and even though I grew up with a lot of kids, like I love kids. I can generally handle kids. Like they don't scare me or anything. Like I know some people are like terrified of kids. That was never me. <laughs> um, but like everything changes. And so I think that your work then is that you have to be creative in solutions. And I know we're talking about the creativity bucket. So and creative in in the way that you can be flexible and make things happen because it's not like when I had my kid my ambition went away right it's not like mm-hmm. that that doesn't work like that at least it doesn't for any of the moms that I know that have kids and it's so it's more like figuring out how to make it work um and what can be done and one of the things that I see or one of the things so people are always shocked at like when I had my first kid and and even now like how much help I have. Like I have a nanny, I have a housekeeper. Um, I previously had like an in-house assistant for like 20 hours a week, right? Mm. Like get help. And actually I'm so grateful I lived in Los Angeles because in Los Angeles, having a nanny is a really normal thing. In Southeast Missouri, having a nanny is like uber bougie and you must be so fancy, right? Like, Mm. (laughs) and so, and so like, like, you know, I like, like, and I watched the TV show, The Nanny, right? And like, they're like in this big fancy house and like, he's super rich, right? And so like, that was my perception of having a nanny. And, you know, but so like, I had to get over that perception and I still get crap from people who are like, you have a nanny? I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> like, right? Like, if you expect me to run, like, you know, run the businesses that I run, like, I can't do that on my own. Right. And so get help. Um, and, and be creative in what that help can look like, because it could even be like your neighbor down the street or like swapping. Um, and then the time that you do have, like, try to be really intentional with it. And like, for me, it's just been like creatively changing my schedule and seeing what I can do with my kids, what doesn't really work. I'll try something. Um, 
And sometimes it works beautifully and sometimes it doesn't because kids are kids and they just, you know, it's like one, one morning they're like, yes, let's go for a fun walk. And it's like a great walk. And the other mornings they're like, you know, I'm going to ride my bike everywhere. And like, you're so like stressed, just trying to contain them to not get hit by a car that like, it's not this like peaceful walk where you could think like it was, you know, yesterday where the kids just happily riding their bike. So there's a ton of creativity and being flexible, but I think it starts with just the decision that you're going to figure it out, right? Like, and that you're going to adjust to figure it out. And you have to adjust because I mean, just last week, my whole house was sick, right? All of us. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to adjust. And I think that that is the, the thing that people don't really talk about is like, you should not expect your day to day to look exactly the same ever. So just when you don't expect that you can spend your time handling the changes as opposed to being upset that there are changes, if that makes sense. Well said makes total sense. Um, expectations are, uh, troubling things. I'm, I'm, I have a, expectations are just like a thing that are, is really on my mind. I mean, just, just yesterday getting, getting sick from my COVID vaccine shot, like it kind of, it kind of kicked my butt, not just because it was like the first time I've had any sort of ailments and I don't even know. I just don't remember last time I was sick and I was sick yesterday, but I think what made it worse was I had this expectation that it wasn't going to be anything. And like, I had this expectation that I was just going to breeze on through. And so then I, I sort of was like resentful, sort of angry. And it was like, really dude, like, it's just a different day. It's just another, um, thing to sort of embrace and sort of see what happens and figure out. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm really glad you brought up the help point. The help point is, I think it's, well, one, you brought up an interesting piece about this sort of, I guess just living in the Midwest and like this cultural idea of like being bougie because you have help, um, which, which I, I can sense, right. I grew up in Ohio. I get that. I get that. That can be problematic. Um, but I think that goes to like figuring out business as well in general, like people underestimate that the creative need to sort of build infrastructure around yourself to be more productive. You need to build. And, and then it's just, I'm, I imagine the stakes are just a little bit raised when you have a family around you. And the reason you're able to not only, well, part of the big reasons you're able to, one of the main reasons you're able to do what you do now and do it while you know, caring for your family is because you've sort of built up this muscle, this sort of figure it out muscle, figure out, okay, here's new um, challenges and new opportunities. How can I um, put systems in place to take advantage of these opportunities and overcome these challenges? Um, and that goes for hiring people, right? Like, you know, you, you, you tell somebody you have a nanny, it sounds like your experience is they just automatically think, well, you haven't made and you're really bougie and you have like too much money that you don't know what to do with. When I hear you have a man, nanny, I hear like, okay, there's somebody that went out, um, interviewed a bunch of people, had to find the right human being, then had to figure out not only how to get the most out of this human being from like a productivity perspective, also take care of this human being so they want to do really good work alongside, right? Like it's very much your partner. And then three, like how do you culturally, um, you know, integrate this human being to take care of your kids alongside of you or at least, um, you know, again, be 
it's it's very much a partnership, right? So there's there's in, inside of that um, inevitable uh, advantage of having a nanny. There's also a lot of work. There's a lot of figuring out. There's a lot of creativity that's got to go into that. Oh, absolutely. And people miss that, right? They yeah. don't. They don't experience that. And you know, very few people have been in a position where they are hiring someone you know, for, for them or their business or their house, right? Most people get hired. And so they don't know the flip side of that. Right. And, and they don't know, you know, there's always good and bad. They come together. It's a package deal for everything. Right. Mm. You get a cute baby. You got to change the dirty diapers. Right. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like they come together. And, and so I think once I started really just embracing that, like I have to embrace the suck and, and enjoy the good. And like, I get to pick which one of those I care the most about. Then, then my world got a whole lot better. Like, all right, I'll change the dirty diapers. I don't care. Right. Like I get a cute, bouncing, adorable baby girl most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually the upside is way better than the downside. If the reverse is true, then I'm in a situation that I just need to flip around or I've got to change my attitude. Right. One of the two. So if I don't have very much control over the situation, I have control over me and how I look at it and my attitude about it. So we get to choose <laughs> with that sounding yes, so ma'am. cliche. <laughs> sometimes. sometimes. Um, They're cliches for a reason, right? Like you got it. You got it. Um, well, cool. Well, cool. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation. I enjoyed hearing a little bit more about how you spent your time over the last 10 years. And I'm definitely just consistently fascinated with how you approach life, how you approach your work, the fact that you moved over to um, Tennessee and, and, and you're still doing it with the family and figuring these things out. So, you know, thank you for just thank you for being a, a part of my world and for sharing it here on the show. Um, our intention, your, your intention, I should say, at the top of the show was, you know, to help anyone out there sort of struggling with any sort of you know creative block of sorts. Right. To kind of overcome it, get through it. Um, let's make sure we do that. What. Um, what do you think we can tell the listeners that are maybe, you know, maybe in that position of like, uh, I know that I'm not at the right place job wise, but I don't know what to do next. Or um, I know I can do more, but I know I need help. Like what should, what's like one lasting thing we can kind of leave them with before we jump. I would say that probably in that situation, start working on yourself. Right. Like just just take a good look at like what you're good at, what you're bad at. Take all the personality tests, like just figure like the better, you know, yourself, the easier it is to respond to those sort of things and see sort of where your big flaws are and and your big strengths. Right. You've got both. So it's like, okay, well, then how can I use that strength to apply to this problem in a way that I hadn't thought of before? And then, you know, or how can I avoid this flaw? Like. Uh, you know, I, some, sometimes I build stuff around avoiding things that are like really hard and I struggle with. And sometimes I build stuff for my strengths. So those are sort of the two macro ways that I look at a problem to see how to get to the solution. Awesome. Awesome. What, what do you have a personality test in, in specific that, that someone should take? I, Cause um, I, I'm just genuinely curious. I've never taken one. Really? Oh my gosh. So I've taken them all. <laughs> um, the, uh, 
So the one that's been the most helpful for me, but it's also been the one that's the hardest work is the Enneagram. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's, it basically says that there's nine personality types, but then there's like types within types. And is that where you're like a number? Mm hmm. It's, uh, yeah, it's I think really somebody was talking to me about it. I think I was told I was like a seven or something. Okay. First of all, nobody can type you, but you, um, but, <laughs> um, is but that I N N E is it Enneagram? N N E A G R A M. I believe Enneagram, but it's E N N not like the word anymore, like any, any E N N. And, um, it's funny cause people told me all the time I was a seven as well or an eight, which I'm not, I'm a two. But the um, once I realized and understood that I was a two, like twos are driven by like love and acceptance. And and really your Enneagram number is like what your core motivations are is really kind of how they decide. And so once you understand like what motivates you and what struggles you have, like and that everybody has their own. Right. Then it, for me, at least it was like, oh, OK, well, I struggle with boundaries because I am a helper problem solver. Like I will get into everybody's messes and try to help and not in like an obnoxious way anymore. It used to be obnoxious. Right. But like I've gotten healthier, so I got to do that anymore, but I still have trouble, right? Like it's like, if I get into somebody's business, literally their, their business, their actual business, not like their personal business, but like, like I want to solve all the problems because that's how I am. So I now put boundaries in place and like build business structures to make sure that that, like, I'm not even in that situation. Right. And so that's where it's like been really helpful for me. But also like as a problem solver, like one of the best things that I do is help coach people. Right. Because I can see things that they can't see. So whereas like a coaching structure is really great for me and my personality, but like a done for you service is not. And so that's why when I understood that, I started switching over immediately because it's such a better structure for me and how I function. And then I've, I've been much happier and much healthier. And so I think that's where I didn't even know that that was really a solution. Um, and you said this test was difficult to take or one of the more difficult? It's not difficult to take. It's it's the understanding, like, the nuances of it. Um, I have a coach that actually helps me through it. I mean, she just she's a she's just got a different way of, like, looking at things. And that would be the other thing is, like, have conversations with people that you don't normally talk to because – they see things differently. Like I was telling her, I was like, gosh, I'm so frustrated because I keep doing this and this and this. And she was like, Monica, that's wise. That's wisdom. And I was like, oh, I thought it was stupidity. Like, <laughs> right. So, like, <laughs> And she's like, no, Monica, you're like applying all this wisdom to this problem. And like, you see the multifacets and like, you're like looking for the best solution. That's wise, not stupid. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Like, mm. So, you know, just knowing that and she, you know, she really helps me. And I think that's why having coaches and having people in your life, you know, just to help you level up, like I've spent an insane, maybe not insane to me, but like to most people, like an insane amount of money on coaches and masterminds and like programs and courses and things to just help me figure it out. So Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thanks again. Um, I'll let you get back to your wonderful family and your awesome work. Um, Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me and such a good conversation. And thanks for, thanks for student of intention, right? Like it's such a beautiful, beautiful gift. I appreciate you bringing it to the world. Hey, it's Bobby. Thanks for listening to today's show. For more, follow student of intention at www.studentofintention.com.
And remember, don't wait. Start small. Learn as you go.